Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. USA, USA, USA. USA. <laughs> Welcome in to this live edition of Big Drive Energy, previewing this year's Ryder Cup at Marco Simone Golf Club in Rome. I am your host at Big Drive, Spence, here with my brother and co-host, Big Drive Mitch. And this podcast, as always, is brought to you by our great friends over at Pins and Aces. Mitchell is double dipping. He's a Pins and Aces guy. And he's a big drive energy guy. He's both. He works for both, does it all. Uh, Mitchell, what shirt am I wearing today? This is from the new fall collection. What's the shirt called? Oh, I forget what it's called. I'm not good with fresh floral, bitch. <laughs> fresh floral. Okay. That, I was going to say it's something floral, but I love the colors. I chose it for you because I figured you'd be the guy to rock it. So uh, it's a great looking shirt. I've got their new t-shirt on, super comfortable. Obviously, their hats always rock. Um, but yeah, I'm out on the uh, the sales trail out here in New Jersey, uh, getting a bunch of country clubs, getting pins and aces in a bunch of pro shops all across New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. So uh, it's going to be out here on the East Coast here before you know it. Love to see that. Pins and aces over the entire country. You can use our promo code BDE, like Big Drive Energy, at pinsandaces.com, and it saves you 15% off your entire order and gets you free shipping. They ship to anywhere in the continental U.S., along with even Europe, which we don't want to talk much about Europe this week. It's, it's all USA, baby, made in the USA, Pins and Aces. They've got beer sleeves. They've got the brand-new liquor stick just came out, polos, hats. Um, pants, shorts, the whole gamut. So make sure you're checking out pinsandaces.com. Promo code BDE saves you 15% off. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. 
Ryder Cup time. We are we're on the odd years now. COVID messed it up. I'm wearing a whistling straights hat today. If you can't see that, uh, the, the dominating Ryder Cup of 2021, where the U.S. won 19 to nine, embarrassed the Europeans off of our home soil. But the United States hasn't won a Ryder Cup on European soil since either of us were born. Right before I was born, and in your entire life, you've never seen the United States win a Ryder Cup on European soil. How are you feeling? this week for team USA. Oh man, I there's so many different like areas to look at. I overall I feel very good. Uh we don't have the quite quite the experienced dudes like uh the Europeans have like Justin Rose. I feel like is going to be a big factor for the the European team like those those wily old veterans that have just been there done that. Um but overall, I feel like it, it's going to be a, a freaking battle all the way from the top, all the way down to like the rookies, the younger dudes. Um, there's so many good players on both sides. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hell of a weekend. I am planning on staying up late this evening. Uh, might be hitting a little bit of the sauce. Might be a little drunk by the time uh, they tee off and coverage starts. It, what time does it start tonight? Uh, the first tea time is what's up, PHNX Sports. Love you guys. Um, uh, it, the coverage starts at a one. I want to say one thirty-nine Eastern is the first tea time. So oh you're one thirty-nine your time, eleven thirty-nine Colorado time, uh, where Dude. I am. So I'm gonna try to take like a nap, like a six to eleven nap. Wake up, wake my kid up, and just go to the couch. I think that's my plan. That that is what you did with the uh, Open Championship, correct? Yeah, dude. I, he was born at the best time. I uh, Scottish Open and then the Open Championship back to back weeks. I was up doing the night scenario, you know. And once he stopped crying, it was amazing. It was uh, it's amazing to be up that early and watch golf. It is unfortunate because I I know a lot of people in the USA are going to watch this. It's obviously the biggest golf event of the year um, in terms of not you know not one of the four majors it definitely dwarfs all of the other pga and live tour events that they have but it's it doesn't get quite the eyes it should on it when it's from america i should say when it's on european soil yeah i i would agree with that i mean and it it, it also kind of sucks that it ends like middle of the day sunday i mean now that it's nfl football season we still have the NFL to watch Sunday afternoons, which obviously is huge. But I would love to to see the Ryder Cup go throughout the afternoon. You know, you have Red Zone on one screen, you have the Ryder Cup on the other screen. Uh, but we actually, it's good for us because we're going to be at the the Broncos Bears game watching that absolute nightmare at Soldier Field. Uh, so we should be able to catch kind of the end of it before we go into the football game. So hopefully we uh, get some positive vibes from the U S team, get a dub before we have to go in and watch that uh, cluster fuck of a football game. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully partying because of the USA team, not sure what we're going to see on the football field on Sunday. Um, the Friday matchups day one foursomes were released. Did you get a chance to see this? I did. What are you, uh, what are you feeling? What, it, what what's your vibe there? So we've got, First tee time off match number one, John Rahm and Tyrrell Hatton versus Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. Now we know Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns are boys. 
the John Rom Tyrrell Hatton, is there a more fiery p- pairing in the entire Ryder Cup than that right there? Uh, no, I I was actually going to say the amount of cuss words they should bet three six five should put a, a line out on how many cuss words are going to be said by that European team because it should be over. Uh, real quick, did you catch that press conference with Tyrrell Hatton about him cussing? And, I did not. No. Oh, he he actually in the middle of the press conference he said fuck off to the uh, to the entire media out in Italy, which was awesome. Not. Not in a derogatory way. He, they just asked him about it. And he goes, I cuss pretty much in every walk of my life. Like, I, there's no point where I'm not cussing. So then he just dropped the quick F off. And then he uh, kept doing the interview. But that is definitely a little bit of an interesting pairing for me between, uh, like, it, I feel like it's it's going to be somewhat of a roller coaster. Like, you got to think John Rahm is going to be kind of the the calming um, you know, the head on his shoulders kind of player there between him and Tyrrell because Tyrrell's just a loose cannon. But then if John gets off the rails and Tyrrell's off the rails, like it's either it's going to go one way or the other in a big direction um, for that European team. It could be very, very good and, or it could be very, very bad. It's just uh, they're playing like the all all-time nice guy uh, team of Scotty and Sam. Obviously, they're great friends. They've got a little match match play vibe between the two of them. They've played plenty, you know, casually and all of that. So, what do you think? Uh, what direction? If who's walking away with that first point? I think, I think it's Team Europe on that first one. I I think just the match of I think how much this means to. Not that this doesn't mean anything to the United States team. This means a lot to. This means a lot to everybody. This is like the peak of golf for players. Like, I I'd be willing to bet that other maybe other than winning a major and it may rival it. Like being a part of any Ryder Cup team as a professional golfer is something you grow up as a kid wanting to do. And yeah, hoisting a trophy as a player uh, for a major, whether what no matter which of the four it is, maybe the PGA Championship's not that high up there for a lot of these guys. Um, but any of the other three majors, that's one of the biggest accomplishments, you know, winning the Masters or a U.S. Open or an Open Championship. But I think this means a little bit more to the European guys and knowing how bad they got their ass kicked with a lot of the same dudes on the team from 2021. I think that uh, John Rahm and Tyrrell Hatton are just a team that are going to come out. And Scotty and Sam are like that, you know, kind of they're going to stay even keel. They're going to be, you know, that that steady that steady non-wild card team but I think when you look at John Rahm and Tyrrell Hatton I think they're going to come out with you know guns a-blazing for lack of a better term and win that first match and it goes into so match two three and four we've got Victor Hovland and Ludwig Aberg versus Max Homa and Brian Harmon interesting pairing there moving into the third match we've got Shane Lowry Sepp Straka a lot of S's a lot of LB's as well in that group that's a big one that's a good thing they're not riding in a golf cart. They may have to get an extra one at the turn there. Uh, versus Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa. Another interesting pairing um, for the team, for the USA team. And then finishing up the morning matches, we've got Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood versus Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay. Give me your, your most interesting match there in the, in the final three of day one. 
Um, I think it's that last match, Rory and Tommy versus Xander and Patrick, because Xander and Patrick, for some reason, like you look at those dudes and they they look completely opposite um, in every facet. Like Xander's very tan, very uh, kind of cool looking. You know, he's kind of California cool. And Patrick Cantlay is kind of that nerdy, um, not as attractive looking type of dude who's just looks like an absolute goober, but for some reason they vibe so well on the golf course. And then of course you have Rory and Tommy. Um, Tommy has not been able to really get it done recently. And I mean, Rory's obviously won, but not, uh, not quite as, as much as you would think he's won. And real quick, I got to mention that when Brooks said in, in that interview, when they asked him like who wants the ball or like, Everybody says they want the ball, but who actually wants it? And Brooks mentioned uh, the majors afterwards, and he said, you know, succeeding at the highest level, the majors. I almost feel like he was taking a little bit of a shot at Rory there. Um, I don't know if you saw that video, but I, I definitely felt like there was a little bit of, like, undertones of taking a shot at Rory for not being able to get it done at the majors because, like you said, this is the biggest event of the year non-major bigger than the PGA championship. Um, but really that's the only place you can like test your metal. Like that's, that is the only thing that really compares to the Ryder cup. So, uh, if you can't succeed, if you can't win in majors, it's going to be tough for you to do that in the Ryder cup or, you know, just, it, it gives you a feeling of kind of like you've been there, like something similar. So, and actually they, uh, who was the interview with? And he said, or I think it was, was it Brooks maybe? And he said that's by far the most nervous he's ever been was on the first tee at the Ryder Cup um, simply because you have, you know, probably 10, 15,000 people surrounding the first tee. And then a lot of the times, you know, they're screaming, yelling, uh, they're all drunk already, whatever time it is. And then all of a sudden it goes dead silent and you feel like you're the only one there and everybody are like, you're kind of like on the stage now and everybody's staring at you. And so I think experience definitely comes into play there, but majors definitely uh, make a big difference. Having won a major these last couple years um, is going to, I think, give a lot of these guys that have won majors the, the confidence in this Ryder Cup. So, Well, one of the interesting matches that I'm looking at here is the Victor Hovland, Ludwig Aberg versus Max Homa and Brian Harmon. Three of the four in that group are Ryder Cup rookies. Of course, Victor is not. Victor played in the 2021 Ryder Cup for Team Europe. But interesting to me that Captain Captain Zach Johnson, our Iowa guy, we'll do a little spotlight on him later in the pod, um, went with two rookies. You know, I mean, Homa and Harmon are very, you know, they're not inexperienced golfers by any, any means and not that anyone here is. But I'm surprised he went back-to-back rookies with Brian Harmon and Max Homa, but then they get the, you know, a pairing of Ludwig Aberg, whose his golf game is a complete wild card. The dude on Thursdays and Fridays in PGA Tour events tore it up. We bet on him so many times, and we're like, oh, he's in position, and then Saturday, Sunday just absolutely, you know, falls apart and wheels fully come off. So it'll be interesting to see a, a three-rookie um debut in one match you know on on the the first jump like zach johnson didn't doesn't care about the experience that some of the other guys have he's going straight into it with homa and Harmon. yeah i i think that 
it makes a difference of how old Brian Harmon is. Um, he's probably the most experienced rookie, you know, on the uh, the U.S. team. With him being in his mid-30s, he's not uh, – talk about a contrast. Lud Ludwig Aberg literally graduated from college. I don't even know if he graduated. Uh, left college six months ago or less than six months ago, and now he's playing in a Ryder Cup compared to Harmon, who played college golf, I want to say, 14 years ago and has been out on, on tour for the past decade, uh, just won the British Open, the Open Championship this year. Um, so I think Zach felt like Brian was going to be the most steady out of all the non-rookies. And Harmon and Homa both give me the vibe that, like, maybe Homa has some internal pressure, but I, Harmon just seems like that dude that just kind of, like, water off a duck's back type of thing. He doesn't let a lot affect him. He's pretty even keel, go with the flow. And he, he really has to be because of how his game is. Um, he's going to get outdriven by 30, 40 yards by almost everybody. Um, but I almost think that's it to, an, to your advantage in match play because I've played plenty of matches where guys are out driving me, but that means then you're the first to play and, and apply the pressure. Uh, if you hit some good shots. So I think Harmon kind of adds a little bit of experience there. He'll be able to to keep home, home a calm. Um, but, yeah, the other team is definitely a little bit of a wild card. Ludwig Aberg, I guess, is just striping it right now. He's – talk about an ascension in the world of golf. He's He's gone from, like I said, getting his PGA Tour card uh, to now playing in a Ryder Cup in the same year. So – the dude is kind of getting a crash course on what it is to, to be a top tier tour player, but all the signs have pointed to him being completely ready. So it, it will be interesting to see the, uh, the Aberg um, versus the other two rookies, see how everybody kind of reacts to the situation. Yeah. And maybe Zach is trying to save, um, you know, not everybody's going to play in every single four ball match. Ex until Sunday, until this individual matches. But it's interesting. He sat, you know, sitting JT is makes sense to all of us. Like he was dicking around in the Fortinet Championship last week, trying to <laughs> trying to make his name not in the mud. But to me, sitting Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka is a pretty big big shocker to me, especially playing rookies like Harmon Homa. I mean, Morikawa's been in multiple of these, but same thing with like Sam Burns now. Zach, uh, we'll get to one of his quotes later, but basically said, you know, the guys he picked, um, I was reading an article about him, and the guys that he picked for his captain's picks were guys that, you know, he wanted the team to have some camaraderie. And I think it's almost like you're almost giving Scotty Scheffler, like, his little buddy. Like, not saying Sam Burns isn't very good. That's not what I'm saying at all. Obviously, he's made the Ryder Cup team. But it's almost like, all right, Scotty, you're the best player in the world. Let's give you Sam Burns so that you can, you know, just feel comfortable out there. And then you go win this match for us because we know what Scotty Scheffler's capable of. Um, but it is surprising to me, even though he's not playing the best golf, to see Jordan Spieth out of there. And then Brooks Kepka, you know, the, the, the dog that he is. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's definitely more important of how you finish in a Ryder Cup. But if you look back to the 2021 Ryder Cup, the USA started out so quick that, even though Team Europe's chances were slim to none on Sunday, they're already defeated. So I think it's important if the USA wants to win their first Ryder Cup in 30 years on European soil, 
they come out in this first Friday matches and, and go hard and win, you know, get at least two points of these and split, or maybe, you know, two and a half or three points and feel really good about where you are heading into the next couple of matches. Yeah, I definitely think that leaving Brooks out was a surprise because I honestly think, you know, he's not Scotty Scheffler, but at the same time, I, in my opinion, he's even better than Scotty when it comes to these types of things because he is such a dog, like you said, a dog. Um, got that dog in him. He's got that dog yeah. in him. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty shocked to not see Brooks's name on that first uh that first card that morning, obviously, I assume he'll play in the afternoon. But yeah, not leave or leaving JT off, leaving Jordan off, not a huge surprise. But the one thing that you know they've talked about too is why don't you put JT off um, early and kind of for Zach Johnson make a statement as to this is why I picked this guy. Like kind of for Zach, it would be doubling down on his his choice, you know. If it was Ian Poulter or whatever, you, they wouldn't be getting left off that card. So, uh, but yeah, Ricky, I would say Ricky, JT, they're both there more for like locker room vibes. They're there for the experience to keep the vibes high. JT has also been very successful on European soil, which we know. So I think uh, he will definitely get his shot to show everybody why he's there, but yeah, the, the leaving Brooks off that first pairing, that first grouping is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, and um, pointing out, like, they're so JT and Jordan have a great record in the four, uh, four ball, but they don't have a great record in the foursomes. So maybe Zach's playing to a little bit of, uh, you know, prior, prior USA experience on that and just saying, hey, maybe not that we throw throw any of the matches out. You're never trying to throw a single match out, but you're like, hey, let's get these guys out there save some you know four of our other than Wyndham Clark the three dudes he saved are extreme Ryder Cup extremely experienced in the Ryder Cup and maybe in, into those afternoon matches it's like all right now it's time time to go like this is when we're gonna just bury you guys yeah uh let's talk real quick about Wyndham Clark because it still just blows my mind uh that we played high school golf with this kid now he's playing in a Ryder Cup but he has caught some flack uh, this last week for saying, what did he say? He was the best player there, you know, and th that's the thing. Like everybody thinks they're the best player there. And if they don't, then they probably shouldn't be there. Maybe besides Max Homa, cause he's just that kind of self deprecating dude. Um, but I think Wyndham could actually be a welcome surprise for the U S team. Cause we know having played with him, not like name dropping it, but that dude, He's he's done a very good job at containing it, but you know that he's got the fire inside of him to go out and absolutely dominate somebody from a match play standpoint. And he's just got that kind of mentality that that does very well in match play. So I think he'll be a welcome surprise for the U.S. team, obviously, once he gets out on the course. Uh, one other quick note I will say about Brian Harmon, because it's going to come back up in the pod a little bit later is uh davis love was asked like who he, he thinks is hitting it the best and he goes well they're obviously all hitting it very well but nobody right now is hitting it better than brian Harmon." so i wow, i do like that. some harmonization coming back across the pond he's sitting there do you think he brought uh the open championship trophy with him the claret jug i would, think it's in, I would in, the, in the usa like house they're in the frat house 
I would love that. I, I think what he should do is put it in his golf bag and bring it out on the first tee and fucking put it up on the podium with him uh, when they're announcing his name. Just talk about pulling your, your jock out and just setting it right down in front of everybody. Uh, I think Brian Harmon has a lot of confidence over in in Europe, honestly. And I, I do have to say one other thing. I know we're going to get into the course preview, but I the vibes feel so much different to me when a Ryder Cup is not at a uh, United uh, UK course, United Kingdom, which I saw you don't really know where the UK is, which is not surprising. No. Uh, do you, you actually, okay, so the UK is Ireland and uh, Britain and, and Scotland, including Wales. So it's like the entire island of England, Scotland, and then Ireland and Wales. That's the entire UK. So that is generally where they play the, the European Ryder Cups, which I much prefer because that's where you're going to get like the most passionate fans, uh, all those crazy ass soccer fans. Like you just, I know a lot of them are going to travel to Italy, but it really doesn't feel like a true European Ryder Cup to me, you know, not being at the K club or, you know, Glen Eagles was a great one. There's so many great European venues that when you hold it in a place like Italy, it just doesn't quite, have like the same vibe to it. One other thing I will say though, that's got me a little higher on JT is he posted an Instagram like collage, not a collage, but like a, a video that his, I don't know who puts these videos together for these tour players, but they're, they're fucking awesome. And uh, in the background music was uh, when the moon hits your, or that's Amore by uh, Frank Sinatra. And that shit just got me like, it was almost so chill that it like gave me like good, really good vibes about JT. Like I, I feel like he's got a little, he's, he's not going to feel like he needs to press this week. He knows how good of a player he is despite this last season. And I think he's going to go out there and, and show everybody why he got chosen. So that, that video just gave me like really good vibes. It's a fucking phenomenal song. I love Frank Sinatra and uh, it's just perfect. Perfect. It, it's like quintessential Italy. Like that's, that's the song that pops into my head when I think of Italy. So JT's got you in your feels a little bit. It huh? does, dude. It's uh, it's a great song, man. I love that. All right, so let's move on. We're gonna preview this golf course because it's an interesting one. I did a, I was, I deep dove over a couple of cups of coffee early this morning as the sun was rising, talking about Marco Simone Golf Club. So it's in Rome. It's about twelve miles from all you know the 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 Pantheon or the Parthenon, you know, I'm not good at, at, uh, geography, <laughs> the, all the castles, whatever, you know, we've been there actually, ironically, um, about 15 years ago. So we didn't go to Rome now. We went to, uh, what's the other Florence. We went to Florence. So okay. That's, uh, same, same, you even know, more even more historical than Rome. So G take Georgia, that Louisiana, same, same, same. Um, but so Marque Simone golf club is, on the outskirts of Rome to par 72 playing 7,268 yards. Um, and they read one, one thing when I was reading into this, they redid this entire facility with the Ryder cup in mind. So in 2018, they or 2015, they were awarded this Ryder cup and then they started building in 2018. And as you mentioned, it's the first ever time that this has been hosted in Italy and only the third ever time it's been hosted out of the United Kingdom. So 
not very, um, you know, there's, it's not a place a bunch of people are familiar with, but they redid the entire golf course, driving range and practice area. And they took the nine hole resort course that was originally built, um, back in 1988 by Tom Fazio. Um, and they, t and they made it a, a village, like a spectator village. So they were like, fuck this nine hole course. You know, this is, we're hosting a Ryder cup because now that they've hosted a Ryder cup going forward, like they don't need to sell this property to anyone anymore. You know, it's, it's going to be a property that everybody's going to want to go play after they watch, you know, this three days of golf and ultimately, hopefully, hopefully uh, a USA win, but it also has the biggest clubhouse in Europe. So nice, big, brand new clubhouse. And it is, uh, it's funny. Cause I was like, I wonder, you know, our geography is very low and I will always admit that. So I Googled the height of sea level in Rome. I was like, maybe it's, you know, up there in the Hills a little bit. Maybe there's, maybe it's going to be like, you know, a little bit of an elevation up there where these guys are going to hit it further. The official, um, the official elevation for Rome is 69 feet. Nice. Nice. 69 very, feet above sea level. We nice. love to see that. Um, so no elevation there. No, no issues. As far as yeah. that goes, we're playing this bitch at sea level. Rome is like central Italy. I want to say it's not cause there is a lot of people don't know this, but there is mountains in Italy. Like there's very tall mountains in like the North part of Italy. Uh, I don't know if Spencer knew that or not, but yeah, that's, uh, he, he probably thought there was just some mountains in the middle of middle of Italy. So Italy's almost sounds like almost Florida, not obviously not the mountains part, but just like the general boot part of it is just all very, you know, there's some like, it's not Florida, never just forget. I ever said that, but it, just from a shape standpoint, it kind of gives me the same vibe. What is that called when like a, uh, a, a part we learned in like geography and in, in like elementary school uh when something like jets off of an area into a body of water oh there is a term for that you're not gonna find the, it for me though i'm not does I'm Marissa not. know what i'm talking about absolutely not i'm not i don't know <laughs> um like in islay islay uh oh i do know what you're talking about you know what i'm saying it's uh it jets off into the mediterranean and i think the black sea on no it's all the mediterranean i think the the black sea is over an inlet in, an inlet is that what it is no i think an inlet's the area where it jets off of that's an i think the inlet's the water part um, in, inlet goes in something else goes out yeah that's the outdoor uh not the the inlet's the indoor so uh <laughs> i i don't remember what it's called but that's like how i kind of think of italy long story short no elevation like you said there is some rolling hills it's it is actually i saw like the 18th hole there's quite a bit of i wouldn't say elevation change but the 18th looks like it's pretty downhill it looks like there's some downhill tee shots out there like it's not a super super flat golf course correct yeah so they actually have um they have four holes in the valley one seven sixteen and seventeen uh and only only the sixth hole is even in the same location geographically as before the redesign. So they completely redid everything to make this a match play level golf course. And talk about a little bit about what you like to see and what we just kind of see in match play, match play style golf courses. Peninsula? Yeah. 
Were you getting some help oh. from the? Is that what it is? <laughs> That's correct. I think that that is correct. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Shout oh, out, wow. I appreciate you, bro. We're, I can't uh, believe I forgot that shit. We're um, super low is... level non golf knowledge, and even lower yeah. level golf knowledge. <laughs> um. So yeah, in match play, I generally like to see uh, some drivable par fours, which I think there's two of them out at Marco Simone. Um, one is 17, isn't it? Or yes, 16? The, uh, drivable fours. There's two of those, uh, both on the back nine. And then all par fives are hittable in two, which is what you, you know, you don't love to see somebody fucking laying up and hitting a wedge. Like that may happen oh. if they're in trouble, but match play, go for that shit in two. We want eagles. We want, you know, the, um, the most amount of excitement on par fives, not like a, 800 yard hole where guys are hitting driver three wood wedge in there and trying to make a birdie like we want we want eagles we want drivable fours where you can swing a match instantaneously with a good drive um and then you know par threes are great match play holes too because you hit one in there tight puts a lot of pressure on the other team um but one thing real quick i think 17 is a par three if i remember correctly and that hole's only like 150 160 yards a little bit downhill I think that hole's going to play a big factor. And it's just a great, great shorter part three that guys are going to have, you know, nine iron pitching wedge in their hand with a chance to swing the match late in the round. So uh, I really do like this finishing finishing stretch of 16, 17, 18. 16 is the drivable four, 17 is the shorter part three, and then 18 is a gettable five. So yeah, it's going to be like the witching hour of, of all golf matches, you know, where – where losses become wins and wins become losses. Oh man, with the Scott Hansen quote, I love that. Um, yep. Yeah. So the 18th hole, uh, 626 yard par five. Green is super tucked between a fairway bunker that's about 20 yards short of it, a fair a gra- greenside bunker on the right of it, and then a whole pond on the left of it. So great viewing, um, and like you said, drivable par four. All golf courses should end on a par five. We said that before. We'll say it again. So it's perfect even for a match play course. <laughs> And the one interesting thing that I don't know if I've ever seen this on a golf course, the eighth and ninth hole. So finishing the front nine are back to back par fives. I've never seen that before. Huh? That is very interesting. And it's, it's actually kind of good too. You know, if you're, uh, going, well, I guess they're, they're not scoring every nine holes, but <laughs> if you're playing a nine, if you're doing like a, a front back total, then that would be a chance for you to, and and realistically, no matter what, it's going to be a great chance for whatever team is down, uh, give them an opportunity to kind of get back into it, making the turn on to 10 after the two par five. So it, it just feels like a lot of uh, really good holes, a lot of great risk reward that you think could swing a match one way or the other. It feels like there's going to be a lot of like must watch holes where, there's not like a hole here where you're like, oh, you know, they're both going to make four, get out of there. Uh, nobody really cares. Like, it feels like there's going to be a lot of of swings being made at this Ryder Cup, which is ultimately what we're looking for. We want the we want the drama. Yeah. So the this course has hosted the last three Italian Opens, and I found this interesting. So the the winner of the last three Italian Opens, uh, Nikolai Hoygaard won it in 2021 on the European Ryder Cup team. Um, Bobby Mack, uh, Robert McIntyre won it in 2022 on the Ryder Cup team. 
And then Adrian Marunk, who was one of the biggest, basically, if not the biggest snub on both teams uh, and didn't qualify for Team Europe and now is, you know, not on not not a captain's pick either. But he recently just won the Italian Open there. And he had a quote. This is before he got snubbed um, from the Ryder Cup team. But he said that uh, Marco Simone Golf Club has the best conditions of any course on the DP World Tour. So... And now that they're preparing for a Ryder Cup, I'm sure it'll get... I, I don't know if anybody's been on this track since the Italian Open until the Ryder Cup, other than the dudes playing in the Ryder Cup. So I, I bet conditions are just going to be absolute peak. Yeah, well, I looked at the weather over there, as everybody else has, and that's another thing that has the vibe like a little bit off for me, is it's supposed to be about 85 degrees Fahrenheit all three days. And full of sun, no rain, no wind, probably. And that's just another thing that feels like you need to have at a Ryder Cup is like, you even look at like Whistling Straits, you look at, you know, you play somewhere up in the Northeast, like in New York, or you go play in Scotland, you play in Ireland, you're going to be dealing with weather conditions. And it feels like they're not going to be dealing with any of that this week in Italy, unless it's a severe case of the swamp ass, which I am uh, very, not, not, uh, unfamiliar with myself so Seb Straka and Shane Lowry hopefully they're not wearing Europe usually wears tan pants if I remember correctly if they were tan um, I would definitely pack an extra pair of underwear because uh, it sounds like it's it's very like hot and muggy out there with it being at sea level the humidity is going to be up so uh, just a weird like I said the the vibe is not the same as the typical Ryder Cup so I hope it doesn't end up with me feeling like L.A. Country Club vibes for the U.S. Open. You know what I mean? That's almost kind of comparable. I was thinking about it. I'm like, is this going to feel like a U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club? Like, am I going to completely hate this? Um, and maybe that's just me uh, being closed minded about, you know, what the, what venues I like and don't like. So I'm, I'm the jury's still out. I'm not going to prejudge it, but. Uh, it is just a little bit weird. The guys are not going to be carrying any rain gear or anything. They're going to be carrying fucking dude wipes, you know, fuck, no free shout outs, but they're going to be sweating their asses off there. There's going to be no weather conditions to deal with whatsoever. So uh, just a little bit of a different vibe there. Yeah. And that does benefit Team USA for sure. Not having to deal with, uh, they're already having, they're already playing across the pond where the European guys are comfortable, but then they're not having to deal with the wind and playing shots differently you know hopefully if it's if it's just clear weather days no rain no wind that they can that, that i think the usa can take advantage of that for sure because the other dudes have grown up playing in all those conditions whereas united states you don't deal with that as much um so advantage usa there for sure want to talk a little bit about the the united states captain our boy zach johnson and it's sad because you know how we're getting old is like the captains of the Ryder cup team are guys that like we not idolized growing up, but Luke Donald and Zach Johnson are like two of my favorite players as a kid. And now they're not playing yeah. in the Ryder Cup. They're fucking captaining it, which just means, dude, we're, we're getting like, we're there. We're old. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, it, it's going to get to the point when, and, and it almost feels this way to me now where like you have no Sergio on the European team. You have no Ian Poulter um, on the, American side, you have no Dustin Johnson, who's been a staple for the last, you know, two decades. Uh, so it, it definitely doesn't quite have the vibe. It's like when you, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's almost like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees and Tom Brady all retiring in like that two year, three year stretch or whatever. You feel like it's almost a turning of the guard uh, with all these young elite players but, you know, this is just – if you look at it from the other side, it's just an opportunity for these young dudes to make a name for themselves and to become the next Ryder Cup legends, you know, the next guys that we think about when we think of the Ryder Cup. So it gives these new guys a chance, these younger dudes, a chance to put their mark on history. But I definitely feel a little bit like an old man. Like I'm officially – like Nikolai Hoygaard was born in 2001 – uh, and he's playing in the Ryder Cup, so that kind of makes me sick. Just knowing that anybody um, that was born in the year 2000 is now like of legal drinking age fucks me up in general. So it's it's just got old man vibes written all over it for me. I miss the old like the Lee Westwood on the European side. Uh, you know, not as many. You know, ti- you say Tiger, Phil. Obviously, you miss those guys, but. From a Ryder Cup standpoint, every year they just don't have those same European Tour legends that they used to have. So uh, it's definitely got a different vibe all the way around to it this year. Yeah. So Zach Johnson, our guy, uh, grew up about 20 minutes from our entire family in the state of Iowa. Went to Regis High School in Cedar Rapids, and then went to Drake University. Dude's won a Masters. He's won an open championship. He has an eight, seven and two Ryder cup record. He was part of the winning team in 2016. Um, and he was the vice captain in 2021. And this is an all time quote from him. He said, I love competition. I've always wanted to be captain on the road. I love when teams go into a hostile environment, completely embrace and welcome it and lay the wood down. (laughs) Zach Johnson knows laying the wood down is the way to go. That's the, I'm sure he's an Iowa Hawkeye fan. That's what we do is we lay the wood. You know, you play, you come in, you quiet the crowd, you play good defense, and uh, hopefully you have enough offense to get out of there with a W. Another point that I saw on Twitter that I didn't necessarily love is every single one of the vice captains for the U.S. team has a losing Ryder Cup record. Um, It was Davis Love. It was Jim Furyk. Uh, I forget the other dudes, but every single dude has a losing record in the Ryder Cup. So it's like, what are you over there for? I mean, a lot of them have a lot of experience, but why don't you pick out dudes that are just winners? Um, you know, even though the U.S. did not do a lot of winning, so that'd be kind of hard to to figure out. Maybe Patrick Reed needs to get over there as a, a, a co-captain and uh, really light a fire under these dudes' ass. So I'm nice obviously... It is nice to not have to see that frumpy fuck in this Ryder Cup. I'll tell you what, like, talk dude, about he's so guy electric. That, that a guy that doesn't fit the U.S. team. This is another quote from. Um, they asked Zach Johnson what he was looking for in players uh, that he chose as his captain's picks. This is before they came out, of course. Um, and he said, "Camaraderie and chemistry in the team room are like the biggest thing." So, Justin Thomas, there you go, hands hands down, um, a JT pick, and then his. <laughs> One more great point from him is theory on why the U.S. hasn't won in Europe in 30 years. Uh, they've scored more points than us. So all-time John Madden level quote from Zach Johnson there. <laughs> Absolutely. And one more Patrick Reed point, and I won't harp on it, but you'd think that out of all the weeks that everybody hates the guy, I think this would be the one week where, like even Bryson DeChambeau too, I mean, look at what he just did on the Live Tour uh, last week he won again 
and he's been playing probably some of the best golf in the world, you know, no matter what tour. And you got to think this is the one week where everybody would put that shit aside, all like kind of bringing, you know, uniting forces, bringing the live tour and the, uh, the PGA tour together in an effort against the, you know, the European team, regardless of what tour you play on. Um, one other quick quote from Brooks that was pretty good uh, because of Bryson and Patrick Reed, probably uh, th- one of the guys asked him, you know, what do the live tour guys need to do in order to like, how can we get more live tour guys on the Ryder cup team? And he goes, you just play better. Like you, you have to go out and earn it. And obviously Brooks did that with winning a major this year. So it's definitely a little bit of a different mindset for Brooks that he's in it, but, a little bit of a subtle shot I felt like at Bryson and at Patrick Reed, like, yeah, your past performance at the Ryder cup might mean a little bit, but what ultimately means something is going out and playing well in the majors, because that's really the only uh, place where all the best players in the world are playing right now. So a little bit of an interesting comment from Brooks. Yeah. And that's, it's funny after, you know, Bryson shot 59 at the Greenbrier and won the tournament or 58, excuse me. Um, kind of an ironic shot, but Brooks is Brooks is the loner out there in terms of live golfers. Uh, but you know he's part he's been part of this team before. It's kind of a kind of a group of guys that has yet definitely some rookies, but some guys that fit in. Uh, and that kind of rolls us into our player rankings. So we're gonna rank these players, and we're not gonna go. You know, we're not gonna be boring and rank these players based on oh who's the best player, who's this or who's that. Like no, we're gonna go into our Ryder Cup patriotic rankings. So Mitchell has Team Europe, and I've got Team USA, and we're going to rank these guys from 12 to 1 with photo, video, evidence of why these guys are the most patriotic. So obviously European players, how European they are, uh, and American players, you know, how much they bleed the, uh, you know, blue and blue and red, the see the, the stars and stripes, you know, bend over, show you the 50 states, the whole scenario. <laughs> July, 4th of July, you know, just straight up Europe, um, American blood. How patriotic they are. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so let's get into my team or my the European team. Um, and there's a few factors that work their way in on this. For me, it was about how European they look. Um, so the looks definitely play a factor, but I will say it's skewed a little bit because – I feel like everybody that quote unquote looks European on the Ryder Cup team should look English, should look Irish, you know, something like they they need to have a certain look to them. So there's a few guys that fall out of that category. And then on top of it, any dude that came over and played college golf um, in America feels a little bit more Americanized to me. Like you need to, in my opinion, if you're a true European you stay at your home club until you're 18 or 19. You win a couple of club championships and then you turn pro once you're like a plus four, plus five. Um, so those are the true American dudes to, or not American, uh, European dudes to me. I apologize. Uh, and I will real not quick, make if that. you guys are listening to this podcast audio wise, of course, if you're in the live here joining us, welcome. Enjoy these rankings. But if you're listening to this podcast audio version, make sure to always check us out on our YouTube at Big Drive Energy, we've got some great graphics up that um, we worked away on here. Me and Marissa were grinding away at some sick graphics for this podcast because the Ryder Cup is is that important. So 
All right, let's get into your rankings. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going least patriotic to most patriotic here. So this might be controversial, uh, but I think Victor Hovland is the least European of all the Europeans, uh, simply because he really, a lot of people didn't even realize he was European um, when he first won, you know, and then they start kind of digging. They're like, holy shit, this guy's from like Norway. Uh, so that, that I feel like that's kind of surprising for a lot of people. He doesn't sound European. He doesn't look European. Um, he does listen to like a lot of death metal, which I think is kind of like a, a thing for his native country that it's like a dark, um, kind of place over there. So I, I guess it makes sense with the death metal, but he just doesn't give like massive European vibes. He's, he's too nice. He's too happy. Uh, which I, I think we can agree that a lot of the Europeans, you know, they're, they're beaten down by the weather or the rain all year. They're, they're angry about their football club. Uh, they just kind of have that general vibe to him. And Victor Hovland does not give me that vibe at all. Uh, so number 12, Victor, still love the dude, but he's probably their least patriotic. Number 11, I've got Ludwig Aberg, uh, which his name is very European, but he... Uh, yeah, we <laughs> measure this shit in yards, there. Trevor. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is America. 10 yards this is for America. first down, 300 <laughs> yards for a drive. Absolutely. Um, so Ludwig Aberg, he's simply too good looking, uh, for me, for him to be that European. Um, are you he, saying he all just, Europeans are ugly? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't I feel like, I feel like they're not necessarily ugly. They're just, there's a very high rank. Like the ugliest European dudes are, are like bottom of the barrel. The teeth are bad, but then the highest level, like Americans can't reach that. Right? Yeah. They're like super for sure. volatile. Like my son yeah. like when he's crying, volatile. <laughs> We're uh, Americans just throw the fastball 98 on the black every time. You, you know what you're getting with us. We're not the best. We're not the worst. Uh, but yes, like, I'm not going to lie to you. This Aberg is a man rocket. Like, he's tall, he's young, he's slender, everything that I'm not. So there might be a little bit of jealousy there. Um, but he also came over, played college golf at Texas Tech, and then he kind of went straight to the PGA Tour, which, you know, through no fault of his own, he earned his PGA Tour card in college. So you're not going to turn that down. But at the same time, just not very patriotic for me. Um, Sepp Straka uh, is coming in at number 10 for me. He's just a real pasty-looking white dude. Um, Spencer thought he was from Australia. He's actually from Austria. Uh, but at first when I saw a video of him, I'm like, who is that? Like, I didn't even recognize him. He just looks like the kind of dude that's out in his yard on a Saturday morning in his air monarchs, pushing the mower around, getting ready with the grill for college football. He gives me very American vibes. Um, and he also did play college golf over in Georgia. So I got to uh, dock him for that. So we've got Seb Straka at 10. Number nine, I'm going Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, A1, I'd be lying to you if, it said it, if I said it wasn't because he had braces. Like, if you really care that much about your teeth, you're not very European. So I got to dock him there. He went to uh, Northwestern, although it was for a short time. And I think he, he considers um, his home away from home 
in Boston, Massachusetts, which is as American as it gets. So I got to dock him uh, patriotic points there. And he's just a kind of a, a goofy goober. Like he, he wears, he's sponsored by Skechers. Like how many European dudes are sponsored by Skechers? They're wearing like the fine Italian leathers and the, you know, the, the kilts and shit like that. That's not your Skechers are not European whatsoever. That's like as American as it gets. Um, Tommy Fleetwood is going to come in at number eight for me simply because his hair is too good. He's almost too good looking of a dude. Um, close, not, not quite a Berg status, but he's a pretty good looking guy. Um, and also it's weird to me, uh, because there is a guy higher up in my rankings that also wears Nike. But whenever a European dude wears Nike, it gives me American vibes. Um, do you agree with that, Spencer? Because I, I really, yeah, like you don't really care that much about Europe. If you're wearing like Tiger, if, if you grew up like idolizing Tiger Woods instead of like Seve Ballesteros and shit like that, then I automatically think you're not that European. So Tommy Fleetwood comes in at eight for me. Uh, Justin Rose comes in at number seven. He's relatively patriotic. Like he, he actually, uh, grew up over in England, didn't go to college over here. Um, played a lot on the European tour as a younger guy. He now lives in the Bahamas, which you can't really knock anybody for. Like it's a tax haven for the ultra rich. It's beautiful. Um, so can't really knock him for that, but he's just kind of middle of the pack for me when it comes to the Europeans. He's also got like, you know, when somebody gets more money and they get better looking as they go on, like Justin Rose is better looking now than he was 15 years ago when he was in his early twenties. So that just how you can tell he's becoming less European, the better looking he gets, the more groomed and well put together. Um, so I got him at number seven. I feel like this is a little bit of a surprise and it's, it's almost a little bit more of a wild card for me, but I have John Rahm at number six, uh, simply because he, he's Spanish. So that when I think of Europe, I don't think of like super tan. That's not the part of Europe I'm familiar with. So that's why I, I really had a tough time. He is very Spanish. So I'll, I'll give him credit for that, but that doesn't mean he's very European to me, if that makes sense. Like, he doesn't give me the typical Ryder Cup European tour, uh, European player vibe that uh, years past, you know, guys have given me like Paul Casey and all those old school dudes. Uh, they're very, very European. And he just strikes me more as uh, kind of in a class of his own. So I had to go John Rahm at six. And number five, I've got Rory McIlroy. Um, obviously, he's he, now that he's the PJ Tours poster boy, he can't really necessarily be the uh, the most European because he he lives over in Florida. He takes advantage. Uh, he's you know living tax free down in Florida, so not fully tax free. You know, no income tax down there. Not a big deal for him making whatever a hundred million dollars a year. But he's just been over in America too long. He's too Americanized. Uh, he's gotten too soft. He, he is def good at defending his king, though, which is uh, Jay Monahan. So I will say that that gives him some European points. Uh, he is loyal to his king to a fault, no matter what kind of bad decisions they make. So I got to give Rory McIlroy the spot at five. Coming in at four is Nikolai Hoygaard. Um, he is from Denmark. He's Danish. 
but simply based off the name, he's got to be way up there. Like you can't look at his name and tell me that guy's American, like very, very uh, European, although he's not from the UK, uh, still very, very European to me. Rasmus Hoygaard is his twin brother. They're both 22. They both already won on the DP World Tour. Uh, so I got to give him number four there. And he's a pretty good-looking dude, too, not going to lie. These younger Europeans are kind of figuring it out. They're getting those bad genes out of the gene pool. Um, coming in at number three is Shane Lowry. He's just a big Irishman. I've, I've mentioned it multiple times on this post, but a dude that I would just love to have a drink with. Uh, he's won the British Open, the, the Open Championship before, and basically his entire uh, city that he grew up in came out and supported him in this uh, parade that they kind of threw for him. As we can see in this Instagram post, they threw like an impromptu parade and about, you know, 10,000, 15,000 people, probably the entire town showed up. So I think he, in another uh, thing that really gives me European vibes is he's a huge rugby fan. He's a huge rugby and cricket fan. He's always posting about it on his Instagram. So uh, obviously you're not very American if you like rugby and cricket, because that's just what Europeans do. They say it's better than, than American football, which it's not. Uh, but big European sports supporter and just the kind of dude you look at him, he's a little heavier. He's like me. So I can relate to this guy. I would just love to go have a Guinness with Shane Lowry. So I got him at number three, number two, and these, these last two are pretty much reserved for like the bad teeth guys, like the most typical looking European dudes that you could just find at any, uh, small town pub you walk into over in over in uh, the UK. So at number two, I've got Robbie McIntyre, uh, just a goofy looking European dude, kind of goofy teeth. He looks like one of those kids in like one of those British films uh, with like kind of the big buck teeth, like running around like, oh, no, mister, like, don't do that. Uh, so that that's kind of the vibe that Robbie McIntyre gives me. Um, also, he's one of those dudes that has looked like 22 for the last seven years. I think he's like my age. I think he's 28 or 29. Um, but I think he just came out like in his early 20s, already looking like he was like 35. So that's why he's looked the same. And he honestly almost looks younger now because he's he's gaining wealth and therefore probably better personal hygiene. Um, and then number one has to go to Tyrrell Hatton. He's an angry British dude. Uh, constantly yelling at cloud. Um, if we can get a picture here of his hair, that just looks like every European dude ever. Uh, you can't get the teeth in there, but he's got pretty rough teeth and he's just a funny dude. He has a great personality, whether you like him or you don't like him. Um, I don't think he really gives a shit. So he had to top my rankings. He's got the rough teeth. He's just angry. Uh, but he also seems like he'd be a blast to go have a night out with. Like he's just, he's one of the lads, you know, you go smoke a cig out on the porch with one of the lads, uh, that, that seems like Tyrrell Hatton. Like, you know, you have a couple beers and he's wanting to head out to the patio to smoke a cigarette. So that's, that's as European as it gets for me. I got Tyrrell Hatton at one and, uh, let's see if you can top that Spencer. All right. We're going to the American side. Number 12, coming in on my list, the least American 
American player, and that's got to be the man, Patrick Cantlay. He's boring. He wears all the European dark colors. He's Hugo Boss. He's Elmer's glue. Put him on the European team for fuck's sake. Patrick Cantlay, not my guy. Also, the only thing that the European team would hate about Patrick Cantlay is the fact that he plays slower than molasses. So Patrick Cantlay comes in at number 12. They hate that in Europe. You have to play in a certain amount of time or else you're out. So he wouldn't even, maybe he won't even be allowed to play his match on Sunday because he'll get slow played so much. And that actually might piss off whoever he's with. So maybe a good tactic there. Um, coming in at number 11, Colin Morikawa. Um, he's a California kid. You'll notice a trend here. I'm not a big fan of California kids in general, or they don't seem very patriotic to me. Um, he went, uh, he went to Cal, you know, we'll, you'll notice, you'll notice a trend here coming up. Number 10, Xander Schauffele. Uh, it was hard to rank him this low because he's won a gold medal in the Olympics for the United States. So hard to argue with that level of American talent winning a gold medal for the United States. But look at his, his name, Xander Schauffele. I mean, that's super European and just his look in general. He looks like he's from Europe. So I had to dock him some points. Love the guy. Both of his parents are immigrants and did not grow up in America. And his great-grandfathers played Premier League soccer. So pretty European <laughs> there. I, it, honestly, I wanted to rank him lower because of the things I, I saw that way. But the fact that he's won a gold medal for the USA, he, he's not coming in dead last. Um, we'll go nine and eight together. We got Ricky Fowler and then Max Homa, both California kids. Not my style. Hair flip. Max is cool as shit. I love all these guys, so uh, it makes it sound like I'm downvoting them. They just don't don't feel very patriotic to me. Moving on to number seven and six, we'll actually do these together. Uh, living there in Texas and growing up in Texas, it's that's as, about as American as it gets, I think. And that's uh, seven with Scotty Scheffler and six with Jordan Spieth. Texas Longhorns grew up there, grew up in the Dallas area. Very American there, but also, but uh, not my favorite, you know, other than that, like they're kind of, they're kind of your typical, just both nice guys. They both have um, horrible hair, which uh, is kind of an American thing when you get to like older levels, like they're too young to have as bad a hair as they do, uh, but they do. So they're, they're ranked here at seven and six. Um, Relatable for us, by the way, with the hair. Say that again relatable for us with the hair by the way yeah that's why i wear a hat 100 and 100 365 days a year unless i'm at a wedding um number number five here justin thomas um kentucky kid who went to alabama that's that's pretty american there alabama football the last five years is one of the most relatable american things i think um, and let's not forget he's only on this Ryder cup team because he's in the club of like american dudes um, on the Ryder Cup team. So he comes in at number five. Uh, number four for me is Brooks Kepka. Uh, he, you know, very American. He, we're starting to get into the very American. Big Michelob Ultra guy, uh, as we can see here from this Instagram picture. Um, Has a smoking hot wife. Second one. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, smoking hot wife. This is captioned uh, Freedom for the Win. Uh, Jenna Sims, his wife, he's got American flags all around him. Obviously, look what he's doing there. That's incredible stuff from Brooks Kepka. Nose beers and eyes open at the Panthers game. Uh, <laughs> Florida hockey, that's about as American as he all gets the as well. Yeah, he, he's just like, he just bleeds, bleeds that American, that American blood. 
Um, number three here, we're going to come in with Wyndham Clark, Colorado kid. We grew up with him, Valor Christian High School. That's pretty American. Um, his Instagram is full of fishing, fishing tweets and fishing uh, pictures. He is the U.S. Open champion and also got killed for liking a tweet about January 6th. Moving on to number two, we got Sam Burns. Uh, he cut his fucking hair into a mullet. American mullet, baby. It's uh, His Instagram is also full of Firebirds, Camaros. Um, he's from Louisiana, went to Louisiana State, fishes from the bayou, American as hell, and his hair just took him over the top for me. He was almost number one, but number Go one goes to... What's that? Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Number one goes to none other than the legend, Brian Harmon, uh, the current Open champion. Uh, as we'll see from this Instagram picture here, I skipped over the seven of him killing amazing. Uh, actually, it was hilarious because one of them, he killed this amazing elk. And the only comment that, you know, you can see random comments on Instagram. Somebody posted, why the fuck would you post this? <laughs> and they just do not get what America is about. He's got like multiple pictures of him hunting turkeys, killing deer, killing elk, farming. Um, but as we see here, he got his John Deere, um, tr not a tractor, but his John Deere, you know, basically uh, four side by, by four, side, side by side, yeah. stuck in the mud at his, at his farm. He hashtags in this farming with Harmon. I mean, I don't know how it gets any more America than that. Um, he called this issue here a whoopsie daisy. So that's that's just as American as it gets. Brian Harmon, we love to see it. Uh, and hopefully we'll see him. We'll actually see him up in our in our betting graphic here in a bit. But before we get to that and get to our final predictions, we do want to tell you guys about our friends over at Bet365. Use the promo code DNVR365 when you sign up for Bet365. And you will be getting... $365 in bonus bets when you bet $1. You can always bet any golf tournaments, any, uh, you can bet live, you can bet um, the PGA Tour, which will do a ton this upcoming year. So use that promo code DNVR365 and you can get into the action where we're going to show you our picks for this Ryder Cup. Once again, that's code DNVR365 at bet365. Must be 21 and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and uh, get your, you know, gambling. That's a very, well, I think Europeans do that too, but that's a very American thing, I think. Um, moving over to an also American thing, the guys down at Burrito Express, if you're listening to this pod from Arizona, make sure to check out Burrito Express. I will be down in Tempe next weekend, actually, for uh, see you at Arizona State. We're going to be partying at Fat Tuesday on Mill Avenue, and I'm going to make sure to get over to Burrito Express right after I land, get my stomach full with a great steak breakfast, uh, egg, and potato breakfast burrito over at Burrito Express in Tempe. Uh, they have six locations throughout the state of Arizona, but make sure to check out Burrito Express. They have the best breakfast burritos around. Also, our friends over at Breckenridge Distillery, it's in all 50 states. It's American. It's the highest distillery in the world they've got the great broncos bourbon competition right going right now uh better bourbon than the broncos put on the field but we love them nonetheless make sure to check out breckenridgedistillery.com and see where you can get it in an area near you all right let's get into our picks the big bad energy is back for the Ryder <sighs> cup we've got in we've got a graphic here we'll go through our picks 
Uh, I'll start it off. So I think the USA is going to come out hot. I think the only chance they have of winning this is if they come out and win um, the day first day. And that's actually boosted from bet365 from plus 125 to plus 175. So make sure you get in on that, bet365, use a code DNVR365, and use some dollars of your bonus bets in the day one winner of the United States of America, boosted to plus 175. And this next one, hole-in-one, yes, plus 333. I believe there will be a hole-in-one in this tournament somewhere. Um, it's not quite like betting a hole-in-one at a normal PGA Tour event because there's so few players. Uh, but I think with the gettable par fours, we've got options there. Victor Hovland actually made a hole-in-one in the practice round yesterday on a par four. I think that's a good omen for this bet. So bet hole-in-one plus 333. And then our bet 365 bonus bet. So this doesn't count against our units, only if it wins, not if it loses, just like we like it. Uh, I'm going to go with Justin or Jordan Spieth winning putt plus 1,400. That guy has the... Uh, the stones to make a putt from anywhere on the green. I just ha have a feeling he's going to be in one of the final groups um, in his singles match. He's going to be one of the last ones to go out. Close Europe or European versus USA matchup. USA is going to come out on top, and Jordan's going to pop that hat off, show everyone his bald head, um, maybe give the horns up. But Justin, uh, excuse me, Jordan Spieth, winning putt <laughs> plus 1,400. You, uh, you were letting, what is that? Uh, I was having oh, intrusive thoughts about Justin Thomas. That that's what I, I was going to say. You're letting your thoughts win. No, you were looking at Justin Rose, my bonus pick. Um, but I'll get to that here soon. So I took a little bit more of a flyer. Um, Brian Harmon to be the top USA scorers plus 3,500. He has the, the worst odds on favor of anybody on the American team. And just like he did uh, this summer at the open championship, I think he comes out and surprises everybody. He's like public enemy number one over in Europe right now. Everybody hates him. They hate that he hunts. They hate that they that he won their national championship. Uh, so I got Brian Harmon to win the uh, most points of any USA player at plus 3,500. I got good vibes. Uh, Davis Love, once again, said he was hitting it better than anybody. So I do like that pick, and it's just great value. Um, first out in singles, Justin Thomas plus 900. I think that Zach Johnson is going to make a statement with Justin Thomas at some point this weekend, one way or the other. Uh, he does have the best record of any American playing on European soil. Very, very good player on European soil. And like I said, I think they come out, they make a statement. They put JT first out for the Americans in the singles plus 900. Uh, I like that. I think that that actually has a pretty good shot. I could be completely wrong, but what's new? Um, and then my bonus bet, Justin Rose to hit the winning putt. He's one of the longest tenured, I think the longest tenured uh, European tour player that's in uh, the field this week. Just got stones. Uh, I could see him hoisting the, uh, making the winning putt, you know, given the, the signature two arm fist bumps. Uh, the, you know, fists up in the air, that kind of thing with putter in hand. I can en en envision it in my mind better than I can verbalize it right here. So uh, <laughs> I'm just a fucking word salad right now. But Justin Rose plus 2200, I feel like he's got a pretty good shot. He's probably going to be going out mid to later uh, for the Europeans. So I really like that also. So do we have a European team prediction win for Mitchell? Is that what it is? Are we... 
I'm yeah. with my heart here. I'm I'll take the US, you take Europe. Drinks on you I, or drinks on whoever Sunday afternoon in Chicago. Perfect. I uh that works for me. I have just been on the wrong side of history so many times that I'm going to try to avoid that here. Uh if I and maybe it's a good thing for the US team that I think Europe's going to win because I am a fucking mush when it comes to betting on anything. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that it's obviously going to be tight. I don't think anybody's going to run away with it over here. The talent on both sides is so evenly matched. Um, the experience kind of in the same way. So I got Europe. Um, I'm going to say they win by a point and a half. I think they, they edge us out by a point and a half. Um, I don't even know if that math checks out. Uh, I think you may have to win by a full point. So, or whatever. I, I think it's only full points. I don't know if you can win by half a point or whatever. So, whatever. I'm going to say Team Europe wins by a point and a half. Could be completely wrong, but we'll put it on a graphic and everyone can laugh at me. You're getting either one point or two points. So, I like that. Team USA wins by two points. <laughs> USA. Stand USA. up for America. Pat McAfee. I'm going to stand up. I don't have my uh, wife beater on, but Team USA comes out with the dub. First time in our lifetime, 30 years, they get it done. I would love to uh, pop a little bubbly. We could maybe get some bottle service in Chicago and and celebrate something, have something to celebrate because, you know, the Broncos aren't going to give us that Sunday. So uh, I would love to see the American team win. Obviously, I am uh, I am very American. So that would be awesome. I just have to go with my heart versus my head here. So I like that we're on opposing sides. I think that'll create a little um, a little feuding over the weekend. It's exciting nonetheless. Just like this Ryder Cup is going to be, you guys all enjoy the 2023 Ryder Cup. Take a nap, get some coffee, get up early, I guess, for you because you're on the East Coast, late for me because it'll still be tonight when uh, they kick off, but... This is one of the truly great events of golf and pairs, puts two, you know, a country against another uh, continent, if you will. And it's Reason. just one of, the, it's one of the most fun, fun weekends of golf that you can watch. So make sure to tune in. We will try to do a live podcast, semi-drunk Saturday night. So make sure you're looking for that on our YouTube at Big Drive Energy. I am at Big Drive Spence. He's at Big Drive Mitch. Go Team USA. We're out. Peace.